The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of BGN Radio, a special guest edition of bgn radio i am brandon ali gowton of course from bleeding green nation uh if you don't already subscribe rate review download the podcast uh what are you doing if you're not and obviously this podcast brought to you by our good friends from right to spell and you can go to right to and check out their products use code discount code bgn15 at checkout for 15 percent off today i have on the show a man you've certainly heard of <laughs> Uh, and, and maybe some of you, uh, you, you might see the name and you're like, oh no, this guy. Now I just want to put a disclaimer from the top before I even say who it is. I mean, obviously you've seen it if, if you're, you're reading the show title here, but I wanted to put a disclaimer and say, you know, this interview was planned to be done before week one, the Eagles week one game, uh, but the timing didn't work out. Uh, but I wanted to bring Joe Santa Luquito on, uh, to talk about. Also, in addition to the story he wrote a couple years about Carson Wentz, his most recent one, which is you know much more positive Carson Wentz story. So, so obviously with Carson Wentz, very much in the topic of conversation, um, especially after a poor week one performance. With, without any more delay, uh, Joe, I want you to introduce yourself because you do a lot of things <laughs> and I don't want to mess it up. So the floor is yours. Okay. Thank you. First off, Brandon, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, Appreciate the uh, the respect you've given me through the years. Appreciate the support you give me through the years, uh, especially through some uh, very interesting times. Uh, but I am uh, my name is Joe Sanaquito. I'm a longtime contributor to Philly Voice. I've been with Philly Voice since since its inception in January of 2015. Uh, when I'm not running around for Philly Voice, I suppose I'm more known nationally with the stuff that I do in the boxing world as a writer for. Uh, Ring Magazine, and I'm also the president of the Boxing Writers Association of America. And when I'm not running around for that, I do work uh, for a number of uh, national outlets, Inside Lacrosse, uh, CBS, PBC. I've done past work for ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, SI.com, what have you. Uh, uh, And and now uh, I actually do uh, work for a number of highbrow, uh, very, very highbrow, magazines uh to which i'll uh, right now for the time being i'll keep to myself but yeah i uh i appreciate you having me on joe thanks for being here i have of course i know you for about seven years now you know i yeah. i've we, we we sit we used to sit together back when that was the thing people did yeah. before covid yeah. uh in the eagles press box so mm-hmm. i know you from that and i felt like that was kind of important for me when i was covering the story that you wrote about carson wentz back in january 2019 
because I wanted to give people context because I don't think a lot of people like, you know, because Joe, you're not like a daily beat, you know, so yeah, some of these exactly. people who are kind of and that's now I'm not trying to, you know, put you down. I'm just yeah, saying like sure. people might not always be like familiar, you know, with with your name, you know, yeah. as someone who like is writing about the team every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when that when your report came out, I think there was that was some of the why uh, there was some harsh feedback because it's like who is this guy yeah. i don't even know who this guy is so but but i think that's a mistake on a lot of people's part because joe um <laughs> as i know and as many people know uh, who cover the team like you are you you know a lot of guys on the team and yeah. you talk to them and you have you have you are really good and you you're, you're very interpersonal you know you, you form you. these relationships with players Thank that like a lot of people just can't do you know that leads you to get information and that's why you were able to do the story you did originally on Carson Wentz so where do you want to start with that because that was that was obviously kind of a big story that you had yeah yeah uh that happened that uh, the inception of that happened by accident like the story of my life I suppose prior to that if you remember and I think you were there too with this with the Deshaun Jackson story which I got nowhere. It's kind of interesting. Yes. I got nowhere near the amount of grief on that as I did with the Wentz story. And the fact of the matter is, was, as I think you know, the basis of the uh, the Jackson story came with, uh, again, many players uh, in a, we'll just say, very social setting. To jump in here, Joe, and set some context, this was like when Deshaun Jackson, this is after he got released too? And yeah, right- this was after, after he got released. And this is right after, right after, I believe, the Redskins had signed him. Yes. And uh, that was a Tuesday night, um, walking out of, particular, uh, out of a particular social establishment as a group of uh, very familiar guys, as we both know, were walking in. Uh, I know a number of them. I made the, the comment that uh, their their guy Chip really blew this by letting Deshaun go. I made that comment, and one of the uh, players, very large gentleman, uh, playfully grabbed me and said, "You know, we don't know what the uh, what the blank we're talking about." And uh, I said, "Oh, oh, oh, oh yeah, enlighten me." Uh, and and they did over the next hour and a half to two hours. Uh, it was it was exclusive. I was writing on. <laughs> If you remember me telling you this, I was writing on napkins, uh, little coasters, <laughs> making as many notes as I can with all this. Uh, and in the process of doing it and writing it, what I did was I also, uh, if you remember me telling you this, I also sent it to three guys that were part of that that story on, on Jackson. Mm-hmm. They had no issue with it. And I went with it. Uh, and I said, uh, and I wind up going, it was pretty, pretty big, pretty big locally. Uh, it's interesting. I got nowhere near the amount of grief on that as I did the Wentz story, which was far more vetted, far more in depth. Uh, there were as many as 13 sources, we'll say 13 sources involved. Uh, 11 of those sources are on tape. And I stressed that they were on tape. So, uh, I found that interesting that I got nowhere near the amount of grief on the Jackson story as I did the Wentz story. But I also made a promise to myself, Brandon, that if I ever walked into a situation like that, I would never make the judgment, the call of if you remember that Jackson story. They were big, 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 big block quotes. And it was an all quote mm-hmm. story. It was over 2,000 words, but they were huge blocked quote stories. And I, I vowed that if I ever went into that, if I ever fell into a situation like that again, I would not take that approach. And that's what happened this time. So if you remember, I believe it was early November of 2018, they lose on Sunday night to Dallas. And it was a dreadful game. It was an awful game. And I was literally walking out of the, the side of the of Lincoln Financial Field with a whole position group making the mm-hmm. innocuous comment that, uh, Jesus, you know, Mike Rose really messing this thing up, isn't he? And all those guys looked at me like a, a Marine uh, rifle drill outfit. 
you know, uh, all with their heads turned in unison. I'll never forget it. I just remember it like as if it happened seconds ago. Joe, it, it's not grow. It's not grow. It's Wentz. I, I said, well, what? Huh? Originally, I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't comprehend it. I said, what? What? what, you, what? <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 he's not checking down. He's not looking at other guys besides his pal, 86. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, I don't know. Okay. And I just, you know, just we, as we all walked to our car, cars, and um, uh, then I remember going in to the Novacare Complex uh, that Tuesday after uh, after the Sunday night loss to Dallas, and everyone thinking the season was gone. Uh, that was a big time too, because I believe there was time. There was, uh, Wentz was. Uh, it was a very interesting situation if you remember, because Wentz was was yanked. He wasn't put on the IR if you remember. I know everyone knows he was hurt. He was playing hurt. Foles was inserted as the star, part of which, you know, that I was, you know, now I have, now I have guys actually coming to me. Now I was accused again, like a lot of people that just don't know, I was accused of seeking out guys, talking to guys and, and seeking out guys and seeking them out. With an agenda. With yeah. an agenda. Well, here's the situation. Here's the big problem with that. How do I know what's on someone's mind if they don't tell me? Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly going up to guys. What do you think of Carson Wentz? What's going on? Now, Originally, there was a seed planted here. Like I said, it started with that that comment. You know, Joe, it's it's not grow, it's Wentz, and they broke down the problems they they, they had in that game, of again not checking down, holding on to the ball too long, looking almost exclusively at Ertz, that kind of thing. All right. So uh, through time, I'm starting to get fed information. You know, for the next two or three weeks, I'm not exactly being handed the playbook, but I was getting handed a lot of information. And that's when I went to the Philly Voice folks and I said, listen, I think we might have something here. These guys are complaining. There, there could be some underlying issues here. And they're telling me more than just what's going on in the field. You know, that this, guy's, um, this guy hasn't exactly been, uh, been a leader, we'll say. So then that's when I started to get into gear. And I began to – then that's when I started to ask some questions. Again, let me, pre- let me, let me say this and let me stress this. I didn't know anything until, one, I was shocked by that, you know, Joe, it's not grow, it's Wentz. And then mm-hmm. what also got me, and again, the and people don't know what we do and how we do things, uh, Brandon. You don't know anything until you're told. Uh, and that's when I, again, run up by the Philly Voice people. I said, listen, I'm going to start pursuing this. And I was asking some questions here and there, here and there, here and there. 99.9% of the, that everything was done outside that locker room. It was done individually with players. It was done, um, most of it, not all of it, was done over the phone. I also avoid it being specific. Uh, and I got it again from, from a lot of people that we know in the media. Uh, they came after me too. Uh, the, it was, it was, it was light on detail. Well, there's a reason why it was light on detail. The reason why it was light on detail was I don't want to give up exactly who I was talking to. Cause there was some intimate things that were certainly passed along to me. And I got 30 pages of notes still on that, uh, on the original story, uh, that I wasn't about to give these guys up any hint as to who these guys were and what exactly was being told to me. Like for example, uh, there was a situation after, remember, the after the, the uh, New Orleans loss. Remember, they got crushed in New Orleans during that regular season. Doug Peterson, uh, Eagles head coach Doug Peterson, like, you know, give me the definition of accountability and had picked out a particular player. Uh, and that player said nothing. That player had no response, which was kind of baffling to a bunch of guys on the team. But they knew what the particular player was. He was angry over, over what was going on, was fr- frustrated about the situation. And he didn't respond. So how do I know that if, unless I'm told? So uh, as I said, I gathered this stuff up, gathered it up, gathered it up. That day, uh, they had lost to the Saints in the playoff game. 
the Alshon Jeffrey deflection game. Yep. Clean out day. That was that was Monday, January fourteenth. And remember that whole that whole locker room was bristling with media. There was there might have been more media. I think there was more media in that than there, than there were players. Wentz did speak, and the Eagles arranged it for Wentz to speak. And that was the first time we had heard from him since um, I think he got hurt. Yeah, or, since, you know, since, since he, yeah, since November. Yeah. Since that since the November Dallas yeah. loss. And prior to Wentz speaking, remember everybody had hovered around Wentz's locker, which is in the in the front of the uh, the, the locker room in the, in the Novacare complex. And Evan Macy comes up to me. The uh, Philly voice editor says, you know, just kind of whispers in, you know, where does this stand with him, with the story? And I said, it doesn't stand anywhere. I mean, I've collected a lot of information. I have a lot of information. But basically, I have a lot of guys complaining about him. I have a lot of people in here complaining about him. I need corroboration outside. And at the time, again, this is, uh, this is Monday afternoon. There, I had no outside corroboration at that time. Uh, so timing, again, is everything. And again, we didn't even know if the story would see the light of day. I mean, I, I've been busting my town, running around and busting my hump, trying to collect information, getting morsels here, getting morsels there, corroborating things from, from other guys. You know, hey, this is what I'm hearing from A. And you go to B and B says, hey, no, that's not right. Yeah, that's right. So that, they were my tactics. And they, that's, how I, that's how I deployed them. So uh, Evan Macy comes up to me prior to when speaking to the media that day. And it's just, you know, where's his stand? It, it, it doesn't stand anywhere. We're we're dead in the water. I mean, this is a waste of my time, waste of our time. Mm-hmm. What had happened was that actually that Monday night, I get a call from a very, very substantial source. Uh, and I said, listen, I'm working on something. Told him what I was working on. Told him everything. Revealed everything to him. He said, uh, this is true. This is true. This is true. This is true. Go with that. Go with that. Go with that. Filled in some blanks where there were some blanks. That's not true. That's not true. Debated some other things that were going on. I was like, wow, now we have something. I have, I mean, I just thought it was a bunch of guys complaining. And this individual from the outside looking in and knew quite a bit about what was going on inside. Says, no, no, Joe, you're on to something. And this is something there that, that we had been battling with this guy in terms of pushing back against some of the things Doug likes to do. There was some stubbornness there. And this very substantial source, that Monday, Monday the 21st, got me in touch with another very, very substantial source on Wednesday. And we were on a three-way. And this person knows quite a bit about the inner workings of the Eagles and explained a lot of things to me and filled in a lot of blanks. This person was very much a fan of the Eagles, very much a fan of Doug Peterson, very much a fan of Carson Wentz, but pushed back against maybe, I would say, 20% of what I had, but agreed with the other 80%. And then the uh, the coup de grace came with um, writing the story. And it went through a number of configurations, and it went through uh, a number of layers of vetting. Evan Macy, uh, the sports editor of Philly Voice, and uh, Matt Mullen, the managing editor of Philly Voice, did an outstanding job with it. I mean, it went through, it went through the washer, the dryer, the clothesline, and then some. I mean, that thing was was thrown through. Uh, it went through. It went through my personal attorney. It went through their two attorneys. Not that we were accusing Carson Wentz and Eagles of doing anything illegal, but it went through that legal mm-hmm. process. So there was a lot of serious vetting that, that, that went through the course of the story. And then finally, finally, if you're ready for this, I sent that story. I sent the physical version of that story to four major key figures that were sources. I'm going to go as far as saying this, Brandon. I think you know this. One of which was mm-hmm. in, literally in the NovaCare complex. So that story was literally in the NovaCare complex. Well, I'm not going to say per se it was in the NovaCare complex before it was even posted. This major piece in the whole equation 
calls me up uh, that Friday, Friday uh, Super Bowl week, because the story was posted on the 21st. So this is Friday, uh, January 18th. And it was, uh, I get a call and I rarely answer the phone unless maybe, for example, uh, Bernard Hopkins calls me all the time and blocks his number, even though I have his number, but he still blocks it. So when I see a restricted call, I pick it up because I think it's Bernard. And for a second there, by the sound of the voice, I thought it was Bernard. <laughs> but the individual says, the bleep is true. Keep my name, the bleep out of it. Click. <laughs> and I, I immediately went back to, uh, to, to Matt, to Matt Mullen, a Philly voice. I said, I think we're gold here with this. So uh, as we say, we could say the rest of it is history. It got, uh, got millions of hits. <laughs> uh, I was ripped uh, locally. I was surprised. Uh, Skip Bayless, I don't know if it's, it's, a, it's a compliment or, or, mm-hmm. or, or something demeaning, but Skip Bayless knows my name. I got a very nice, actually got a very nice note from Skip. But uh, uh, I'm getting my name uttered through, uh, through people that probably didn't even know me from a, from a can of paint. Locally, like I said, just just rip the shreds. Rip the shreds by by people we both know who've known me for 15, 20 years. And and I think, Brandon, the only thing that bothered me in local criticism was that people thought I made it up. Uh, yeah. Doing what I've done for as long as I've been doing it, I really have no reason to make anything up. Why turn around and shoot myself in the foot? Now, the Eagles' complaint was this. You could have come to us. Why didn't you get the other side? Why didn't you get the other side? Well, actually – I'm going to reveal something, and I think you know this. I did try to get the other side. That morning, mm-hmm. the morning that story was posted, now I approached two major figures in that locker room, neither with the team, but I approached two major figures in that locker room about this very story. One walked away from it. One just kind of smiled, gave me a look, and he also walked away from it. But mm-hmm. we deal with the world of modern technology and the internet. And the morning that story was posted, I had one very prominent leader of that Super Bowl team, cursed me out. And then I, I yelled back at him, you know, am I wrong? Am I wrong? He never replied I was wrong. I said, well, here's your chance. I can go right online. I'll take this conversation. I'll get my tip recorder. I'll take this conversation right now. You're going to rebuke anything. You have anything to say in defense of, of your teammate, of 11. Here's your chance. And the individual, to his credit, apologized to me and said, you know what? I shouldn't be yelling and screaming at you. I should be yelling and screaming at the guys that spoke to you. Because everybody in there knew there was an issue. Everybody in there knew there was a problem. So that was one player, one very prominent player. I approached another. Actually, I approached two prominent players. And we were, it was the three of us on the phone together. They didn't dig the fact that I wrote it. Uh, They thought that I was um, revealing some things that I shouldn't have revealed. Well, what I heard, I heard from others. I didn't hear from you guys. Here, here's your chance. You got a chance to turn around and defend the guy. And they didn't either. So that's one, two, three. Now, I seeked out two more guys, again, very prominent leaders on this team, uh, one of which is still with the team. What do you have to say? You know, here's your chance. Here's your chance to reply. Here's your chance to get, quote unquote, to get that other side. Neither of them wanted any part of it. Neither of them wanted to turn around and say anything. So originally there was nine people involved. And then you throw in that Monday five. So about 14 people were involved in that. And then you involve the other three, uh, we'll just say we'll call outside, substantial outside sources that put me back in the building. So that's now 17 people involved at one time or another with the Philadelphia Eagles. So people can question uh, my thoroughness. People can question, you know, I had something out to get to get Wentz. And I'll say this. I have nothing against Carson Wentz. I've said it publicly. I've said it privately. 
Uh, I think my biggest issue, I think, with Carson Wentz isn't really with Carson Wentz. It's the fact that fans, Eagles fans, and some Eagles media, and some national media, crown this guy. They put a crown on his head and anoint greatness upon him when he hasn't really achieved much. He's had one great season. I think he's a very good NFL quarterback. I think he's obviously established himself as a starter. I think, as a matter of fact, I voted for him for MVP. As a matter of fact, people mm-hmm. seem to forget the fact. And I think you would remember this. I'm supposed to be anti-Wentz, anti-Eagles. I'm <laughs> the one, if you remember that Super Bowl season, man, I'm the one that already made arrangements for the Super Bowl in mid-October of that year. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember me saying that? You, I remember, you said it to me, yeah. And I remember the the, box, yeah. yeah, I remember the guys looking at me like, and this is Eagles personnel. This is Eagles personnel that are looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? Why'd you do that? I said, I got a good feeling here. And I literally put my money where my mouth is. And I'm here on the record talking to you. And you know that. You know that for a fact. So, I mean, if, mm-hmm. if people are going to turn around and accuse me and a point, point a finger at me, well, get your facts straight. Get yourself together. Get your facts right. Now, there were some things that I've tweeted in the past in reference to Wentz, four-quarter Carson, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You know, and he's, yeah. he, had, he's had, he had his issues. He did have his issues. Sure. But my issue came with, again, the people that anointed greatness on him. And, and that's the fan base and it's the media that turned around and said, you know, he's the next coming of John Elway and, and, and Joe Montana wrapped in the one. No, he, he's, he's proven himself to be a good quarterback right now. But right now he has not shown greatness. He's shown flashes of being able to be great. He, I mean, could he be great? I think he can, yeah. I think he has the potential to be great. But right now we're in the fifth year with him. And, you know, we see a lot of things this past Sunday that we've continued to see. The first four seasons, and you got to scratch your head and wonder: Can he accept coaching? Is he is he is he willing to be be flexible? You know, and he himself said, and I'll never forget this. too, again, it, it's kind of interesting. Again, you were there at Ground Zero. You know the BS that I got locally. My my, my I'm laughing now. I wasn't laughing then. My house got vandalized. Uh, I got death. Yeah, that's too far. By the way, just to jump in, like, come on, people, like, don't. You can't do that. You can't well, well, break there's the law. we 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 know we know, and and people also forget. I, I I'm born and bred an Eagles fan. You know, I I'll never forget. I mean, you and I sat next to each other at the Super Bowl, bro, and that's something there. Yep. And you and I have spoken about this personally. It's something there that I'll never forget. It's something that always go, is going to be part of my life. It's always going to be part of your life. Sure. We were part of something that was very special, and that's never going to change. And it was great to be a part of that. Great to cover it. Great to write about it. It was it was amazing, and I, I'm not. And Carson Wentz played a big role into them winning. Yeah, exactly. Ultimately, you know, like obviously he wasn't in the game, but like exactly. he set them up very well. And I and I and I wrote that story. People seem to forget that. Yep. People, I wrote that story for CBS Philly. I wrote that story uh, for the Maxwell Club for our for our program. Uh, I wrote that story nationally. I wrote that story locally. That seemed to have gotten lost in the mix, because again, uh, it's funny. People were accusing me of like seeking the negative, seeking the negative. And again, I can't be told anything. How am I seeking out something that if I don't know if it's, you know, what am I seeking out if I don't know it's there, if I'm not told? Yeah. Did I seek it out? Yeah. I sought it out after I was told for the, you know, three previous weeks. Hey, there's something. Yeah, you're the lead. Yeah. There's something here, man. I'll never forget. uh, I was watching reruns of Cheers for that dreadful Rams Patriots Super Bowl. And the morning of uh, February 4th of 2019, uh, I get a call from a very dear friend of mine, Bernie Fernandez, who's, who's, who's a Hall of Fame boxing writer. Bernie's like a second dad to me. And Bernie calls me up at 6.30 in the morning that Monday, Monday, February 4th. And I'm like, what's, what's going on? And he wakes me up out of a, out of a cold sleep. I, I fell asleep, 
<laughs> fell asleep on the Super Bowl. I think I might have watched maybe into the second, <sighs> midway into the second quarter, and I just dozed off. I didn't even know. I didn't even yeah, know. Game the, stunk. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I'm thankful that I did. I didn't even know the Patriots won until <laughs> until the next morning. But uh, my dear friend wakes me up and he says to me, uh, at first I'm getting concerned. You know, who gets calls at quarter of six in the morning? I'm like, Jesus, God, what the hell is going on? Everybody okay? You know, you okay? Uh, your wife okay? Uh, is anyone in the hospital? You know, what? What? He's no, 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 no. Just, he says to me, this is the best wake up call for you in a long time because Bernie knew I did not like getting calls prior to 10 in the morning. He says, uh, you got confirmation on, on the story that you got a lot of grief for. Um, oh, yikes. Wow. Who? And he says to me, uh, my, my close friend says to me, believe it or not, Carson Wentz. I said, what? He says, go on ESPN.com right now. What's it? Uh, Tim, Tim McManus. Tim does, Tim does a great job. For mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is interesting. And I believe Wentz's direct quote to the story that I wrote was uh uh i can be selfish i could have been a better teammate and i believe he said uh correct me if i'm wrong uh i'm not going to sit here and say that was made up i'm not going to do that i'm not going to sit here and say it was made up he actually he said that he said that they were his words and and i found it interesting again that nationally i remember uh was it um who's the gentleman from uh nfl pro football talk mike florio mike florio uh and mike florio uh gets on the air and uh says hey there is something here. There is something here. And the Eagles knew there was something here. So that substantiates things. Wentz himself substantiated that story. Wentz himself. Think about this too. Uh, if the Eagles don't call a special presser with Carson Wentz and six, by the way, six handpicked Eagles reporters over what people thought was a bunch of BS and it's nothing, it doesn't mean anything. Well, if it's nothing, it doesn't mean anything. Then why are you pulling in your star quarterback in early February? To address it. Yeah. But as I've said privately, said privately to you, and then I've said it privately to a number of people, and I've also said it publicly, kudos to Carson Wentz. Because there were issues there. There were things that had to be addressed. He did shut himself off and shut himself down. And then the further substantiate, if you remember, I believe it was um, Jeff McClain's story, prior to last season, on the uh, on how Wentz had taken out his, his receivers in a, uh, in a very upscale restaurant. Yes. And I think he dropped, what, 10,000 bucks or whatever. And I believe McLean referenced the Philly voice story a handful of times. Uh, I think uh, Jeff's, uh, uh, it was short on facts. I believe Jeff was saying in his story, but the character, the content, the character content uh, was, was pretty, pretty much on, you know, that there was something here. And I believe uh, Ertz himself, Zach Ertz himself in that story said, you know, there were issues on and off the field. There were issues in this locker room that had to be addressed. And uh, I believe Brandon Graham himself is quoted in that story as saying, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, I'm not saying the Philly Boy story is true or not, but where I'm saying there's where there's smoke, there's fire. So um, I, I thought there was a lot of growth there last season. I, I thought it was read by millions. Uh, I wound up uh, <laughs> in March of 2019, I wound up getting a, I wound up getting a really nice contract, we'll say, with a very upscale, very highbrow New York, New York publisher. That uh, sent me to different different parts of the world. I think I was telling you about. So yes, me running about Carson Wentz led me to a prehistoric cave in Peru. Well, that's why you wrote the story <laughs> yeah, in the first that's place exactly to get the job. It. You made it all up just so you could do that. Yeah, I had some fun though with some friends, uh, and I got a brand new car and the whole bit. And and on the back uh, it said THX eleven. 
Uh, no, but I no, no, I didn't. I did not. No, uh, just jokes, just jokes, just jokes. Just I got to make sure I'm just joking because you say uh, things. Uh, uh, I found also yeah. I, I can't supposedly I can't joke. I said in mm. jest, I believe I said something to uh, Angelo Cataldi when I was on the air with him the, the day after that story. Uh, oh, on the best oh, yeah. thing that's happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. I said it as a joke, but people see and hear me. And people that don't know well, me. Yeah, they just exactly. It's tweeted out, and there's no context. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, I am happy about one thing. Okay. That I know for a fact. I know for a fact he read it. That Carson read it, and mm-hmm. I know for a fact that Carson took it to heart. Good for him. And like I said, uh, behind his back, and I'd like to say one day to his face, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for turning around and, and addressing some issues that were there. And, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the team. I'm happy for the organization. They weren't too happy with me because, again, I'm the outlier. I'm the guy that's, quote, unquote, not there on a regular basis. Uh, but they don't know who I know, how I know them, and where I know them. So, And that's no one else's business but mine and, and who were the gentlemen, who are the people that I spoke to. Now, what happened and how this ties in recently is this, that after the draft, three of those guys, three of those original guys, Three very, very serious sources in that first story. Who criticized Who Carson. criticized Carson. Came to me and said, you know what? Hey, man, he's, he's, he's a bit of a changed dude, man. He's, he's, he's accessible. Uh, I've had conversations with him that I've never had before. They were playfully cursing at me, saying, you know, your little meatball shape, you know what? I mean, maybe, maybe you opened his eyes, man. I, uh, whether it was you, whether it was whatever, his eyes were open. And uh, we turned a, a very negative situation into something positive. Uh, Carson deserves a lot of credit. And now this is finally his team. And that was the gist of the story that I wrote uh, last week, that it was finally Carson Wentz's team, that he's taken over the leadership and the reins of this team. And there were some folks that just, they saw the name. They saw my name. And they saw my name with Wentz's name. Automatically, they assumed, uh, whatever. Uh, not bothering to read the story, not bothering to look at it. It still did well. Uh, didn't do what the original story did, which which goes to show you that that negativity sells. That wasn't my intention with the original story. That wasn't my intention with this story. My intention was with the original mm-hmm. story. These guys are complaining about him, and, and it's a story that deserves to be written. Well, guess what? Some of those same guys were turning around defending him. Some of those same guys were turning around and just saying some, saying positive things about him and how much he's changed. So guess what? That's a story that deserves to be written too. Now, far more yeah. people, as we know, both know, regrettably, we both know uh, as guys in the media, and I say this cringing, that the negative story was going to turn around and attract and gather and, and, and get the fanfare. The positive story, again, like I said, a group of the same guys saying positive things about this guy and supporting this guy. Well, that did not get the fanfare. You know, that suddenly was, mm-hmm. was, was lost in the shuffle. And I was criticized by, by some folks because, again, many people don't do their homework. And Brandon, I'm going to go a step further with people don't do their homework. Because if anybody followed me on Twitter, they would have known exactly who I spoke to. And the reason why I say that is this. Uh, I got a friend of mine. Now, she will say she's a high level of law enforcement, actually very high level of law enforcement. She calls me in, uh, in mid-March, mid-March of uh, 2019, and curses me. I'm like, sweetie, what, uh, babe, what did I do wrong now? She goes, you blankety blank. <laughs> she says, do you know you're pictured ringside with like nine or ten of the guys you spoke to for that story? Like, oh, my God. I gave her access to my account. So, for example, if you follow me on Twitter, it's just proprietor of. So she actually runs my account now. But what she did was wash everything, delete everything, delete all those pictures, take all that stuff out. And 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 thankfully, no one did 
a deep, deep dive. You know, we, we have these so-called um, private eyes out there, these guys, these these are these bloggers for these different websites uh, that, that supposedly dug up some things. And there were some things that, that I have to be accountable for, things that I did say negative about Carson Wentz. But I found it interesting, Brandon, that the, the things that I said positive. Now, the negative outweighed the positive, I would say, 60% to 40%. But it's funny how people harp on the negative and the things that I had negative to say about Wentz as opposed to the 40% of the time, the things that I said positive about him. Uh, going into the season, I had some positive hopes for him going into the season. Uh, I thought there'd be uh, some levels of maturity uh, on the field that we would see. Uh, and granted, it's a small sample size. Uh, regrettably, we haven't seen them yet. So that was one question, Joe, and you gave me 38 minutes or so, so <laughs> which is awesome, uh, which is totally you, by the way. Uh, but it's great. I think that's great Thank to share you. all that. And, to, and Now, so we kind of covered, you know, where it began with this story yeah. and the, the, mo- the more positive one recently. So, yeah. again, balance there. I guess the thing that comes to me from conversations that we've had uh, over time, you kind of telling me some of this information and, and relating to Carson Wentz's week one performance, which I want to make clear here that I have concerns about Carson Wentz after watching that game week one, but I don't think he's that bad. You know, I don't think he's going to improve to some extent. Like he's not going to be that bad all season long. Yeah. I, just, I just don't believe that. Like I, I'm I, and, and more context here as a whole. I've been pretty bullish of, of, of on Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he can be good. And uh, when your story came out, one of the things that I kind of wondered, I guess a like criticism even would be like, and maybe you don't even know the answer to this. And I don't know, like, what's the context, you know, in terms of like how many other quarterbacks might be like that too. And do, do they have success? You know, it's like, is Tom Brady like that? And maybe, but maybe he can also get away with that because he is Tom Brady. You know, there's a lot of, so those are a lot of, exactly. He's, he's won yeah. Super Bowls. I'm, I'm very close to, uh, a former Patriot who played five years with Brady and Brady pretty much knew everybody from one to 53 on those Patriots teams. Now mm-hmm. could Brady be a jerk. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Brady was approachable and uh, Brady can get away with a lot of things. Whereas uh, to be objective about Carson, well, Carson hasn't been to nine Super Bowls and Carson hasn't won six Super Bowls. I mean, he helped the team sure. get to a Super Bowl. What's a fact is a fact is he's still yet to win a playoff game. And the other mm-hmm. thing, the facts that still have to lie out there and still remain to be answered, Brandon, is is, is can he can he accept coaching? You know, he yeah. pushed back against that's, Flip. That's the big thing. Yeah, he pushed back against Flip. He pushed back against uh, Frank Reich. And they've been public about that. And that was that was covered in my story. The other thing, too, that was covered in my story that seems to be seems to have been forgotten is the fact that he pushed back against Grow. Uh, Jeff McLean did a really mm. nice piece in the beginning of the season. Some of the stuff I had in the January 2019 story was also covered by Jeff and Jeff's story in terms of uh, how Grow and Wentz did not see eye to eye, and they didn't. Now, I yeah. used the term Wentz bullying Grow. I'm not backing off that. I still maintain that. That leads me into a question, Joe, that like what you're talking about here. Sorry to cut you off, but like it kind of goes into what you're saying there. And now that's my question for you. Like, does Carson have too much control? Is he not taking to coaching? And I think the answer is yes, to some extent, but to what extent? And also like the press Taylor relationship, you know, that's his quarterback where, you know, you mentioned Don, John D. Filippo flip and, and flip and Reich seemed to have some level of authority to kind of like get on him. I don't know to what extent, but it seemed like they did because it seemed like they challenged him. And I just don't know if he has that now. And I guess looking for more insight on that from you. They did challenge him. And at times, well, yeah. many times he didn't like it. 
Uh, he was reluctant to take certain That's things. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it is good. That, that seems like a good relationship. It, it is a good relationship. <laughs> like, I mean, he pushed back yeah. against it. But he also found, and this is an interesting thing, Brandon. You've been around this this team. You've been around Doug. You've been at these press post-game press conferences. And you've been at the day after pressers. And think about this. If you remember the many, many times, Doug Peterson would say, Carson has to trust the offense. Carson has to trust the offense. Do you remember those times? And he said them many, many times. I believe he said something. I don't know if he said something to that extent this, this past week in reference to Carson. But he has this – Carson's greatest strength is also his greatest weakness, his, his stubbornness, his willingness to try to push that square peg through a round hole makes him who he is. But also his stubbornness and his willingness to push that square peg through a round hole also leads to what happened on Sunday, two interceptions. I don't know if a good buddy can also be your coach. Hmm. There is no, no secret here. The media knows this and the fan base knows this, that Press Taylor and Carson Wentz are buddies. They're pals. And the last time I looked, if I'm running a business, and I don't care if it's a professional football team or professionally tiddlywinks, you know, if, if I have a superior over me or if I'm the one that's a superior, I'm going to turn around and just say, you know, you're going to do what I said, or we're going to work as a collaboration, collaboration with one another. We're going to work together and we're going to collaborate, but you're going to follow my lead, bro. And if I find you out of line, I'm going to kick you in the tail. I'm going to turn around and, and, and make sure you're on point. And when he had not one, but two guys kicking him in the tail, that 2017 season, we saw the results. We saw him yeah. bend. We saw him become flexible. We saw him accepting, sometimes reluctantly, but still accepting coaching. And that's an issue. And it's a major issue. He's not going to get any better unless he's willing to turn around and take hard coaching. Really good story. Last year, Paul Domowicz does a fantastic job. If you remember that story of – Hard coaching. Can Carson accept hard coaching? And again, it goes back to mm. what I wrote back in, in January of 2019. So far, the history doesn't show it. The history doesn't show he's able to accept hard coaching. He's able to accept that harsh criticism. There's also something else here. And we'll just say um, a little bird, very recently whispered into my ear, who has a lot of intimate knowledge on what's, what goes on in that, that building and what goes on in that quarterback room. Doug Peterson took a lot of blame on, uh, about that loss and about play calling on Sunday. And he has to accept a certain level, a certain percentage of that. But the most of the percentage of that play calling has to fall on 11. Hmm. He's the one that's calling the plays at the line of scrimmage. He's the one calling the offense. I don't know exactly. I don't know the percentage of what he's calling and what Doug's calling, but he's calling a lot of that offense, you know, and, and, and Carson's view of this offense. And remember, Doug started to mold the offense towards what Carson likes. And now again, we're talking five years here. This is pretty much Wentz's offense. This is speculation, but strong, strong, strong support that Wentz wants to kind of run this in the sense that, for example, when Peyton Manning was with the Colts, and then was with the Broncos. That was Peyton Manning's offense. Yeah, you know, and and I and I, I believe, strongly believe, that uh, this is. I mean, it's, it's it's Doug Peterson's play design. Doug Peterson's one of the best play designers in the NFL. And Doug, you know, fourth and one. That's Doug's call. Doug's Doug Peterson, mm -hmm. Coach Peterson, makes those calls. But in terms of walking up at the line of scrimmage, calling the plays at the line of scrimmage, running some fake cadence. Again, I don't know the exact percentage. I can't say. I can't tell. 
but there's a hell of a lot of plays being called by Carson Wentz. And that play selection's being being done. Well, we'll just say, for example, um, Doug may call a play. Carson doesn't like it. And Carson will call his own play. Again, I don't know the percentage of that, but if you, you watch that game pretty closely on TV, you'll notice 11 making a lot of calls at the line of scrimmage. And they are his calls. So when you turn around and you want to point a finger at Peterson and play calling and things like that, it might be an idea to take that step back and take a broader look at who may actually be be at fault here. So guess what? Hey, Carson throws for eight touchdowns and 555 yards against the Rams. He deserves the he deserves the credit. Sure. You know, but when you throw two interceptions and you struggle, you blow the game. You, well, it's not completely on him. I mean, the, the defense did not stop anyone. Haskins is is I think awful, but I will say this: I think Haskins was right at the right times on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And if they can't beat Haskins, not that Goff by any means is a brain surgeon. I'm not the, the the biggest Jared Goff fan, but Jared Goff is certainly worlds better than than Haskins. Agree. The other thing that Wentz is going to have to watch out for is that little dipsy do that he does, that little dip and bow that he does. Uh, he's going to get hurt, and 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 I wince by saying this: he could seriously get himself hurt whether it be a back or a neck, by, by, that, by that bow of his that he was able to get away with in the past. Well, again, defenses are on to that. They see that. You know, if you watch the way the Redskins approached him and the way they, they tackled him, he wasn't escaping. And I don't think he's that, those, those abilities for him to disappear uh, in the middle of a rush, you know, he has to learn how to fall. He has to learn to go down. And again, as I stated earlier, his greatest strength is his greatest weakness, his stubbornness, his willingness to turn around and try to create something that isn't there. That's not always going to be there. And I think he's still learning. He, well, he obviously is still learning. When to turn around and, and take that bullet, when to turn around and you, you, you've you seen it with Peyton Manning, you've seen it with, with, with Eli Manning, you've seen it with Tom Brady. You know, they see someone coming right through. Uh, for example, the uh, the one uh, the delayed blitz on Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say the blitz. The, the Washington linebacker that came through unimpeded through the center of the line. Yo, hit pay dirt, man. I mean, hit the ground so this way you're just being touched uh, because you are the team, Carson Wentz. You are uh, you are the engine that runs the show. He says he's not going to change. He doesn't want to change. Well, he's either going to have to have a choice. Either he's going to have to be forced to change, or he's going to get hurt. And the way he dips and the way he turns around and ducks like that, I wouldn't want to see anything very seriously happen to Carson Wentz. I wouldn't want to see him crack a vertebrae in his neck or his back. You know, mm-hmm. he has a, he has a wife. He has a beautiful little girl. The guy has a great future ahead of him beyond football. Mm-hmm. You know, someone has to need to tell him, dude, you can't do that. You're going to get seriously hurt. And actually, how strange this may sound, that's out of concern for Carson Wentz. Might come, might, some people may be, may, when they hear this, Brandon, they may kill over in their chairs. <laughs> the tops of their heads may blow off that I'm, I'm showing compassion for 11. But uh, I don't want to see anybody on, on a football field get hurt. But he, of all people, right now, you only have so many concussions in your body. Your body's only able to accept so much pain and punishment. And he's already been through his share. I mean, I, I firmly believe he's the kind of guy that one or two more pops. And Carson Wentz is a smart guy. Carson Wentz is a very, very smart guy. His family and his faith in that order come before football. Well, maybe his faith and his family. But, I mean, those two those two areas of his life come before football. And the reason why I bring it up is I can see him, you know, two or three more concussions, like the type of concussion he suffered in the uh, playoff game with the clowny hit. I could see him turning around before the age of 30 or by the age of, by, 
even when he turns 30, and I think he's 27 now, just say, you know what? I want to be able to bounce my little girl on, 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 on my knee and be able to count to 10 five years from now. Like Andrew Luck. Yeah. 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 I exactly, exactly like Andrew Luck. I've, I've been there, done that, done my thing, uh, possibly come, comes back as a coach or, or comes back in some capacity somewhere, somehow he's set for life. He's certainly set for life. He doesn't have to turn around and do anything for the rest of his life. He doesn't want to. Um, I know he still has things that he wants to achieve in the NFL. Uh, but as someone, and one of the original sources, by the way, for the, uh, the, the, the one story that I did said to me, the shame of it is right now, Carson's just coming into his prime and the remnants and only the remnants of the Super Bowl team are left. He hardly has anything mm-hmm. or anyone left. Joe, you mentioned the, uh, the coaching. I just want to circle back to the press Taylor thing. Like he's only five years older than Carson yeah. Wentz. Like that's pretty crazy. And I, I think I, the, the way I think about it is that it doesn't get really raised enough. I think Paul Dominic did a great job with that story he wrote last year, but like, I don't think we talk about it. It's not like in the fan conversation enough about how, and I don't, I guess like, I guess because the Eagles view press is like this, you know, rising young star talent and, who knows? Like he might even be, he might be really good, mm-hmm. you know, at finding plays and whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the Eagles need out of their quarterback coach. To me, like they need a guy who can actually do what the job says and like coach Carson Wentz how to play the position at a high level. And and even more importantly than that, you said it with like the injury thing. It's like no one has gotten through to him. It's well, that's like with a lot of these things, and that was a big issue in Week One, and and why I have concerns about the season and his career moving forward. It's like it's year five, and at some point. Like Mick, Michael Vick was, you know, we all thought like, you know, maybe Vick would change and he would start to slide, but he didn't. You know, at some point a guy is who he is, so you kind of just get concerned, and especially, you know, at this phase when it just doesn't seem like there's anyone in this organization who has the clout to tell him no. And it's it's not just with Carson Wentz who we see that with. It's also with Jason Peters. I mean, Jason Peters told the team he wasn't going to move to left tackle until he got a raise, and guess what? That's exactly what happened. It's like they get so uh, hamstrung or, or whatever the term you want to like. They get so intimidated. They just give in to these players. Yeah. Like they they get so they're, they're like taken hostage almost. Like they it's like they don't have the authority to tell like to put their foot down and be like no like this is how it's going to be or else. And I don't know if you caught this Joe, but on the other day on Twitter, Dan Orlovsky, you know who's a big Carson Wentz supporter, mm-hmm. uh, he was showing a screenplay. A busted screen from that Washington game where, you know, Washington read it and Carson Wentz really should have just thrown the ball in the dirt like most quarterbacks would have done, mm-hmm. but he didn't. And he took off running and he, he was like, you know, Carson, this is how you got hurt with Jadavion Clowney last year. Like mm-hmm. you, you, instead of just throwing the ball into the dirt and ending the play and living to see another play, like you tried to make something out of it. And sometimes that works for Carson Wentz. So I don't want to say it's always a bad thing, mm-hmm. but sometimes it could be a really bad thing. And what Orlovsky said in there was like, the coaches should be like, Carson, if you do this again, you're coming out. Like, like they need to, like, there needs to be pressure. There needs to be stakes. It just seems like there's none of that. It's like, there's no accountability. Great perception on your part. As one of the key pieces, one of the major sources to my original story put it to me. And I think, I, I know I told you this. I know I told you this. Carson has the line to the bat phone. Jason Peters has the line to the bat phone, meaning they're, they, if they wanted to, they're the ones that they can call. Doug Peterson does not that, have that it. same line. That's, that, that's it. That's it. And, and I found the uh, infrastructure story of, of Jeff McLean of a couple of weeks ago. Very, very interesting about that, that Lori, Jeff Lori has far more power than uh, people want to admit. 
uh, I remember doing a story on uh, actually well, very influence, close you mean. on uh, uh, on uh, McCoy McCoy and uh, mm-hmm. Kiko Alonza, and uh, the Eagles had played Buffalo that year. McCoy came in, he caught a screen pass, and really made Kiko Alonzo look awful. And Lurie went bananas. What the hell? I mean, th- this is the guy we traded. For the guy we traded for, and this is this is right, this is happening right before my eyes. So when you have when you when you take away a little voice from the powers that be, in this case, you know, Doug Peterson, there could be infrastructure problems there. You know, I I I, I can speculate. I, I can only go by what I was told. Again, uh, again, this is story's almost going to be two years old, but I, I won't forget that. Joey has a direct line to the bat. And Carson mm-hmm. can pick that bad boy up. And people, again, if you remember, people pushed back against me. Oh, he doesn't have that much power. He's, he's, he's only in his second or third year as the quarterback. He, do, he doesn't wield that much power. Well, we both know that he does. That Carson Wentz does yeah. wield that much power. And, and the shame of it is that you have someone like a, a Doug Peterson. And I was told this recently about Coach Peterson. Everybody likes him in the league. Everybody respects him in the league. Doug runs a very relaxed team uh doug expects men to be men he expects these men to be mature and doug is very very well liked but i don't know and i believe also doug's very very respected but he may have more respect outside the building than he does inside it's speculation Mm. on my part but it's just a feeling that i have and it's a shame because what may eventually and i stress eventually cost uh, doug peterson his job is that very fact, is the fact that he's he's trusted his players to be men and act like men. You know, uh, like a college professor, for example, you're expected to get up and go to class. You know, you're not the little kid anymore yeah. that needs the rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, pep talk and go get him. Now, Doug will go after, Doug will go after guys with the best. I mean, when, when he raises his voice and when he goes after it, he has that kind of respect. But, you know, when you have a situation where you're kind of cut down at the knees uh, within, you're running a shop, and you have a, 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 a star worker, and you're the foreman and the owner, and that star worker from the floor turns around and bypasses you to speak to the owner and says, you know, this is the way I want to run the uh, the, con- the, uh, the conveyor belt. <sighs> Sometimes there's a problem with that, and there could be a problem here. Hmm. It's something to think about. Do you have any other fun? I don't any other thoughts on any any of this related stuff, Joe? We've been doing this. For- yeah, no, no, not really. Um, they need to win this week. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Uh, Aaron Donald is a freaking man child. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty twenty has been a strange year in, in in the sports world. Outside the sports world, it's been a strange year all over the place. Uh, and the reason why I bring that up is that the Philadelphia Eagles have had a tendency to uh, in the past step up or step back you know and and take over take control when there's been uh after bad loss they've had that tendency yeah. to turn around and 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 respond and doug peterson's had yes. that ability uh like i said and i stressed you know 2020 is a strange year and who's to say brandon that um that they don't respond this time that that, that the eagles team that mm. we've known in the past doesn't uh doesn't react the way we're, we're accustomed, the way Philadelphia is accustomed to them reacting after after a bad loss. Um, I'll also say this. I don't think by any means Doug Peterson's job is any kind of trouble, certainly this year. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this. If they go 6-10, and 10, 
I give them maybe another year before they have to turn around and maybe maybe they start maybe they do start taking a peek at at at, at Doug. And uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to see that. I wouldn't. I don't think. I don't think anybody would. I mean, this guy has made history. He's a Super Bowl winning coach, and he certainly deserves to be treated better than the way the Eagles have treated him right now. So, Joe, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, obviously, go check him out at all the things he said before. Yeah, uh, Philly Voice, Ring Magazine. If you're a boxing fan, and yes. uh, I don't think people know that about you. Like, or, or I mean, obviously, people in your boxing world do, but like you know, like Eagles, like you know, only Eagles fans like necessarily know that you know you do the boxing thing as well. Yeah, that's it's it's an interesting world because it's led to some other things. Um, I'll be I'll be honest with you here. I'll I'll, I'll be candid with you again here. Um, I certainly had a national. I had a number of national advocates. One of which was was Max Kuckerman from ESPN on first take with the Stephen A. Smith. If you remember again, Max. Uh, kind of going, you know, kind of in my corner, we'll say, so to speak. Uh, one, I'm very close to Max. But two, and I'll admit this, I played some of those tapes to Max. So Max mm-hmm. Max heard who said who said what and what they said. So Max Max knows. Well, he knows quite a bit. and doesn't know everything. He knows quite a bit. And, and I found it interesting that, that's you know, people were like, you know, why is Max defending this guy? Well, uh and Max also had something interesting to, to, to say. He says, you know, Joe, if you were to wrote something like this controversial with Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, people are like, yeah, they might not agree with it. They might go, who, what? But, hey, people, you're, you know, you're up there. You're in the penthouse on the, uh, on the boxing media food chain. I, I would say I'm middle class, lower middle class on the NFL football media food chain. So, uh, regrettably, some people would turn around and say, well, I don't know this guy. And therefore, I have no reason to believe him. Well, that's your right. You're okay with that. And as I've said uh, to you privately, and I've said it publicly uh, to a few people, I, my only regret with the original one story is that I, I didn't have more fun with it. What I mean by that is uh, there were um, there were some gifts involving me, which I thought were hilarious. <laughs> so that I, I should have had more fun with it. And there was there was a lot of and there was a right. lot of funny things there with it. I mean, 95, 90, 90, 85, 90 percent of it. Uh, was funny and I, I should have I should have laughed. Now I do now, but um, mm-hmm. then with you know some of the things that were happening with uh, some of the idiots uh, with with death threats and and and, and having my yeah. again too far yeah People yeah don't yeah do that. yeah that that that, that uh, left, we'll say a wee bit of a sour note. But things then uh, things in the end worked out. Uh, landed on my feet. Uh, things the story worked out incredibly well for me on a lot of different fronts. It led to some very good things and and apparently. Uh, apparently it, 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 it worked well for, for the Eagles and Carson Wentz because, uh, again, millions saw it, millions read it, but one person definitely saw it and one person definitely read it and one person kind of took it to heart. And, and he deserves credit. He deserves the, the accolades for that. Now he needs to take another introspective look at himself and, and see the things that he's done wrong and accept, again, my biggest thing with him, Brandon, is he, he needs to accept coaching and he needs to be coached harder than he's coached. I don't disagree. And I've been saying that with, you know, uh, Jimmy Kemsky yeah. on BGN Radio, yeah. uh, the episodes we've been doing here, especially the uh, the one that will have been out already, I believe, before this episode drops. So if you didn't listen to that, go listen to that. Obviously, you can check out a lot of good content here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. I, I want to thank Joe Santo Liquido here again for joining me. I have been Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation. 
This has been BGN Radio, which is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Again, you can go to RighteousFelon.com. You can use discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off. Help support the show. It's also a good snack to have. You know, now that Eagles games are back and it's not like you can go anyway, so you need something on your couch. Uh, you can get some of that. They have, in addition to craft jerky, they have some non-meat snacks too. So you can go check that, that out again at RightToSellin.com. And uh, yeah, so this has been a BGN Radio special. Going to have try to have some more of these interviews. I'm sure we'll have Joe back at some point uh, to talk about some other things down the road and uh, try to get some other special guests in the pipeline too. I think I have a couple. So, so it'll be fun. So make sure you subscribe again to Leading Your Nation podcast feed so you don't miss an episode. And I'll talk to you next time. 